Um, if you've got your Bibles or your Bible is on your uh, phone and you would like to turn to it, please turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 1 this morning. So I was just talking to Suzanne earlier. I'm thinking seriously of barring or banning my wife from watching TV um, because she gets into it too much. So we've been watching this program. Has anybody seen a program called Married at First Sight? Anybody? Yes, okay. So um, this is a program where there's an arranged marriage and all during the marriage, they have these little exercises they have to do. Um, now, they're newly married, but me and Lynn, we've been married over 30 years. But every time they do a workshop, she says, we should do that workshop as well. And I'm thinking, this is absolutely crazy. And I'm thinking about it. She takes it far too seriously. And um, I remember making the mistake of taking her to see uh, Les Miserables. Anybody ever seen that, the, the, the film? Les um, I started to talk to Lynn. We came out. I started to talk to her. No, don't talk to me. Sing to me. I thought, I'm not going to sing every sentence to you. But... Uh, um, so she takes things a little bit too seriously, and uh, this morning we're going to talk about um, taking words seriously. So we've been looking at um, this um, series, the Impossible series. Uh, we've been having it over summer, um, and it's been good, I think. We've been looking at things that are difficult, but not impossible. Uh, things that are easier said than done. And uh, we're going to look today at this idea of doing what Jesus said. In John 14, Jesus said... If you love me, all who love me will do what I say. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that difficult. And I find those words hard because I believe I love Jesus, but I've got to be honest, I don't always do what he says. And uh, I would imagine for most of us that would be the same. Most Christians I know who love God don't do what Jesus says. We don't ignore what Jesus says, and um, we don't do the opposite of what Jesus says. And perhaps a word we could put in here to really get the essence of this across a little bit better uh, would be if we rephrase this slightly to say, all who love me will do exactly what I say. For me, that's the difficult bit. It's the exactly bit. Uh, I like to do something similar to what Jesus said, but maybe not exactly what Jesus said. What would the benefits of that be? And what are we missing out on when we don't do exactly what he says? And maybe some of you are. I'm just saying I don't. I have to be honest with you. So when you look at a passage of Scripture where there's someone who clearly loved Jesus, clearly believed in him, but did not do exactly what he said. And we're going to see what lessons we can learn from that about doing what seems impossible. So we're going to open at Mark chapter 1, but we're going to read from verse 40. And we're going to start from verse 40. So if you've got that in your Bibles, find it. If you've not, don't worry. I'm going to read it to you. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant, or another way of saying that, Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sends him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testament to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news 
As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So there's about three things I'm learning from this story about doing exactly what Jesus said. The first one is this. Understand the why. Why did Jesus say this to him? Aristotle said that um, the mind does not think without a question. So the thing that drives our thinking is a question. And my question is, why would Jesus not want the leper to tell everyone? Why would he not want to go out out there saying, hey, go and tell your friends and go and tell your family? Because most times in churches, someone like me will say to you, hey, go and tell the news. Go and tell the good news about Jesus. But Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Go and show yourself to the priest. So why is that? So one of the things we believe in Saints Church is equipping the saints for service. We want to encourage you to pull from Scripture and to look into context. And there's some fascinating things to be found on this story that you miss if you just read it at surface level. So the first thing is this. Um, When lepers were healed, or if a leper was healed, a Jew claiming he was cured of leprosy should go to the priests, and the priest would carry out certain checks. There were certain things that the priest would do. So if a leper turned up to the priest and said, hey, I've been healed, there were three things that they would do. The first was that they would check the person really was a leper in the first place. And this is really important for a reason I'll mention in a few minutes. So uh, the priests would go and they would talk to the family and they would talk to the friends and they would speak to people in the community and they would find out, first of all, was this person really a leper in the first place? Now, uh, leprosy uh, in those days could mean a lot of things. Uh, We know what leprosy is now, but it could also mean all sorts of different skin diseases. If you know my story, uh, I had a skin disease when I was younger. And uh, when I first became a Christian, I prayed and I was healed. Um, So it went within nine days. It was supposed to take nine months to go according to the doctors. So I kind of connect with this story on a very personal level. It would have been an amazing thing. But first, they had to check was this person really a leper? So if it had been me, um, I guess the priest would have gone to my doctor, they'd have gone to my mum and my parents and said, well, was Paul really having this skin disease? Was it a real problem? How long did he have it for? The second thing they would do is they would ask, was this person really healed of leprosy? And the way they would basically do that is they would set them outside of the camp, even though they were saying, hey, I'm free, they would put them outside of the camp for another seven days And they would wait to see if the leprosy came back. So in our church, we believe in prayer. We pray for the sick. And uh, sometimes we pray for the sick and nothing happens. Sometimes we pray for the sick and something amazing happens. Sometimes we pray for the sick and people feel like something's happened. But not long afterwards, we realize it didn't really happen at all. And we want to do things that are authentic. We're not going to say God's healed someone when he's not. And in those days, same thing. They would send them out and say, well, let's check this really happened. Let's check this person really was healed. And then the third thing they would do, perhaps most importantly for what we're talking about this morning, is they would check into the circumstances. How did it happen and who did it? And that's really key. Then what would happen is if the person was found truly to be healed, 
they would go to the court of the women. Now, um, you may or may not know this, but in the second temple, in, in that period of time, there were different courtyards. There was an outer courtyard for the court of the Gentiles. A lot of Christians don't realize this, because um, if I say to most Christians, did the Jews believe that the Gentiles could be saved and go to heaven, most Christians will say no, unless they became converted to Judaism. That's not true. Uh, the Jews... Uh, always did and still do believe that Gentiles can be saved and we don't have to convert to Judaism. So the court of the Gentiles was where the non-Jews who worshipped God would go to worship, but they weren't allowed into the inner courts. And there were different levels uh, that you could go through uh, all the way to the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could really go. But one of them was the court of the women. And in the court of the women, and this is really important, there were four corners in this court of the women. And they were used, three of them, on a daily basis. One corner, one chamber, was where they stored the wood for the different ceremonies. Another corner was where they stored the oil for other ceremonies. Another corner was where the Nazarites, so the people who took this special vow, would go to do some ceremonial kind of cleaning, get themselves ready for these special vows. But there was another corner, what I'm going to call the awkward corner. It was a corner where lepers who were healed would go to be cleansed. The reason it's awkward is that no one ever went there. Every other chamber was used probably on a daily business where people come in and out constantly. This one corner was always left empty. We'll talk about that, why, in a minute. So we need to, first of all, we need to understand why. Jesus wanted the leper to go to show that he really had been healed. He really was healed. And many, many years ago, uh, I was in a very large meeting that became famous almost in England because... In it, uh, a crippled lady uh, got out of a wheelchair and walked. And what happened was that it was pretty amazing. And um, it had been a nice story to tell in church. And if I had gone to my friends and family and said, hey, I was in a meeting, this woman who was crippled in a wheelchair, got up and walked, they'd have gone, that's nice, Paul, bless you. I wish I could have the faith to believe in what you believe. It's lovely. What actually happened was um, the press found out about it, and one of the daily papers did a massive um, thing and report on it where, they, where she went to a doctor to get it checked out, and it checked out, and she was completely healed. And that gave massive authority. So when I told people, I, I saw it, because I was about from here to maybe uh, the back fence over there from where it happened, um, people were like, oh, you were there when this happened. People believed it because a doctor had checked it out, and in fact, there was even a documentary done in England on the incident. So Jesus wants him to go, but is there more to the story than that? Yeah, there's a massive, big, important thing that we're missing still in the story. The second thing we have to understand about doing exactly what Jesus said is partly understanding the why, which we're going to talk about more about in a moment, but also understanding the why isn't always about you. The why isn't always about you. So you may be different from me. But when God asks me to do something, or when I read something in the Bible, I'm often asking why, and sometimes I'm blinded to the why, because I think the why's got something to do with me. I think particularly in church nowadays, you know, many, many years ago, when, when I first started to go to church, one of the things I've noticed different in preaching is that when I, I first started to go to church when I was 14, so um, almost 40 years ago, and 
Virtually every sermon was about God and how great God is. So much uh, with us as churches wants to make church more relevant, so much of it is about us now and our position in God, which is good. But it's almost as though we think it's all about us sometimes. And sometimes what happens is, for me at least, I'm, I'm, where's the why? And I'm looking over here to figure out why is this a good thing for me? Why, why does God want me to do this? I'm sure it's got something to do with blessing me. And actually the why might not be there at all. It might have nothing to do with me. The why might be over here somewhere and I'm missing it. And that's what's happening in this story. We have to understand the why. You see, the reason it was so quiet, this chamber, was even though God had given Moses two full chapters of instructions, Leviticus 13 and 14, of what to do when a leper was healed, no one ever was. Sorry, a Jew was healed. No one ever was healed of leprosy. No Jew was ever healed of leprosy. There were two in the Bible. Miriam was cured before the Torah was written, before these instructions were given. And Naaman was Syrian. So he wasn't a Jew. No Jew had ever been healed. What's important about that is this. They believed only the Messiah could do this. Only the Messiah could heal a Jew. If the leper had gone to the priest, the priest would have checked it out. They said he was a leper. He was healed. He is healed. And Jesus did it. And the only person who can do this is the Messiah. The Sanhedrin would have had to have declared Jesus at least have done one of the things that only the Messiah would do. The Sanhedrin get a bad press. Sometimes we, we give a bad press to people in the Bible who, who really were just doing their job. So the Sanhedrin's job was to check out false messiahs. So when everybody said, I think we found the Messiah, I think we found the chosen one, basically um, the Sanhedrin would go with a checklist of seven things prophesied in Isaiah and they would go and check this. Has he done this? Has he done this? Has he done this? And that's why it was virtually impossible for somebody to declare themselves a Messiah because there was a checklist of things to be checked. One of them was healing the leper. Nobody had done it. It was the awkward corner in the temple. If a leper had done exactly what Jesus had said it to him to do, history would have changed. Certainly, history for the Jews. Because the Jewish council will have had to declare it would have been written in history that Jesus did the one thing that only the Messiah could do. But it never happened. Because the leper did something similar. He told people, but he didn't tell who Jesus told him to tell. And I think it's a tragic story, this story. It's wonderful because the guy's healed, but he missed this incredible purpose he had. It's a bit like David's story. Coming to church, hearing God, getting excited, but maybe not following through, and missing this incredible purpose that God had for him for that period of time in his life. I've been like that. I don't know if you've been like that. God has this incredible purpose for us. He had this incredible purpose for this leper. And history could have changed in that moment. Something spectacular could have happened. Today, most Jews don't acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. There's nothing written. There's the Bible written by kind of like us lot. 
uh, or written by people in history that they don't really acknowledge some of these stories, wouldn't it have been an amazing thing? One of the things that we've lost out, uh, and most of us, I think, are Gentiles, we're not, we're not Jews. One of the things that we've lost out is this incredible understanding of the context of the Bible because the Jews and the Christians were separated. They didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. Some stuff happened in history which we won't go into now. Um, but they put into the prayer something that stopped the Christians being part of the Jewish, going to the Jewish temples and synagogues. It made it awkward because they put something in the prayer that meant that we couldn't, somebody like me couldn't pray. So that's why, partly why Christians had to set up their own churches. And we lost this incredible tradition, this credible understanding of the Word of God. So much of that could have changed if this one guy had done exactly what Jesus said. And what happens when I read a story like that, I think to myself, what would have happened if I did exactly what Jesus said to me rather than things similar to what Jesus said to me? I don't think God wants to beat me up. I think he just wants to point out, Paul, there's some significance to what I say and the reason I say it. So the third thing that, that comes to my mind is this. We also need to understand the why. We also need to understand that the why isn't always about us. Because for this moment, the why wasn't something that would bless the leper. It was something he would do that would bless his entire race. But also, understanding your why not. So instead he goes out and talks freely. Here's my question. Why don't we do, why don't we do what Jesus tells us exactly to do sometimes? The reality is we don't know for sure in this story we don't know what was in that leper's mind. Now, here's where it gets a bit weird. So, um, this morning, we've got lots of people away. Our entire leadership is away, okay? So, Bob and, um, Bob and uh, Kerry are in Scotland. Howard and uh, Yvonne are away in Europe. Mark and Becky are away. Ryan, our normal worship leader, is away, which means I get to do what I want to do, <laughs> which I think that's the benefit. That's why God's got rid of them all. So what I'd like to do, I'm going to joke here, what I'd like to do is uh, a little experiment here that you do have to get involved in. I'm going to Kirby just come up again. Um, we're going to do something um, that's very, very biblical, but most people don't ever do this in church. So um, there's something called drash. Uh, drash so I, when I read uh, at the beginning, I read from uh, Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, it's all about faith that the ancients were commended for. Uh, the ancients studied the Bible differently in some ways from the way we do it. There, there were four different ways in which they would study a passage of Scripture. In Havarim, which is something we do midweek, we do one of these levels. It's called Drash. One or two of you will be familiar with this. And uh, what we do is we put ourselves in the place of a character, in place of a character in the Bible. And what we do is we, we help each other understand the possible why. The possible why. So I'm going to explain we're going to do this for a few moments and a couple of volunteers who are brave enough will help us okay so Kirby's going to play gently if you've not been given a card and a pen when you came in can you put your hand up if you've not been given a card and a pen so everybody's been given a card and a pen yes okay here's what we're going to do okay because the leaders are away and I can be naughty so here's what we're going to do um I want you to look at this verse I'm going to put it on the screen it says this See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded 
for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. So what drash is, and it's a, it's a biblical method, don't worry, don't think I'm teaching heresy, okay, is you put yourself into the position of one of the characters. This time, I'm going to ask you to put yourself in the place of the leper. And what you do is you rewrite the verses in first person. So you write out on your card, you write out what you think happened from the leper's perspective. So it might start off by, I was healed and Jesus told me not to tell anyone. So you retell the story as though you were telling a friend what happened. And I want you to put in there the reason you believe the leper probably didn't do exactly what Jesus told him to do. So you're going to rewrite the verse in first person. You're going to include what the character might have been thinking or feeling. And you're going to retell the story, fill in that gap, the motive. But whatever you do, don't change the facts. So don't change any of the facts. Kirby's going to play beautifully for three or four minutes. And I'm going to get you just to write down, rewrite that verse in first person, as though you're the leper, putting in why you think. So my last thing before we're quiet, before I'm quiet, is you don't write, he thought, you write, I thought, or I felt, or I did it because. Okay, I'm going to give you two or three minutes just to do that. Keep it to one or two sentences if you can. Okay. Okay, so the way this works is um, you may have heard of the word midrash. A midrash is a, is a compilation of stories that rabbis would write a story. So a guy called Rashi was famous for doing this. They would rewrite the story and they would say, maybe it's because of this. I'll explain the, the benefit of doing this in a moment. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask for five or six volunteers to read out their drash. So who's brave enough to put their hand in the air and say, I'll come out and read out my drash? Okay, thank you. Thank you, April. Thank you, Ed. Out you, out you come. If you can come out, that would be great. Lynn, do you want to come out? No. Yeah, you can do it. Okay, if you can stand on the stage here, that would be great. If you can stand on the stage here. All right, let's have one more, one more. Yes, fantastic, wonderful. Fantastic, I didn't think I'd get so many volunteers. If you can just move to the end, that would be great. Thank you. Okay, just move to it. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, I know this will frighten you, but I'm going to give you a microphone. So I'm going to pass this over to the end. And uh, what I'd like you to do is just um, literally read out what you've got on your piece of paper, okay? Don't worry if it's not very poetic, just read out what you've got on your paper. So these are potential possible reasons, and I'll explain how this works in a moment. I wrote it in French, though. Oh, you wrote it in French? No, <laughs> Even God doesn't understand J French. Just kidding. <laughs> I was healed and told not to tell anyone, but to show myself to the priest and offer the appropriate sacrifice for my cleansing as testimony. I felt I knew better and decided to tell anyone I knew and met and spread the news. Excellent. I felt I knew better. Interesting. Lynn. I was healed. Jesus told me not to tell anyone, but why? How could I not? Plus, I didn't want the priest to make too much of a big deal and cast me out and ask me questions, but I needed to tell others anyway. Just say the last sentence. But. But I didn't want the priest to make too much of a big deal and start to question me and cast me out. Okay. 
get all, all the attention? April? I'm healed, but I was told not to tell anyone. But I'm so excited, how can I keep it to myself? I'll just tell everyone I see, and maybe word will get back to the priest. <laughs> okay, yeah. So everybody else say, maybe the word will get back to the priest, yeah. A few people are smiling because you're thinking, oh, yeah, maybe. I guess I'm a bit more bohemian than everybody else. Okay, <laughs> it's the glasses. <laughs> Holy mackerel, I've been healed. Look at me now, I'm clean. You treated me so badly, and now I'm as you are. I ought to kick your butt, but I'll just get in your face and show you I'm as good as you are. Okay, <laughs> that's good. That's excellent. Okay. Mine is, I was, I was healed, and I was told not to tell anyone, but instead only to take it to the priest as testimony and to show my sacrifice. But I second-guessed this thinking, uh, thinking that he was just being too modest, so I felt mm. the world should know from me who had experienced this. Excellent, very good. Okay, just stay there. Give these guys a round of applause. That was excellent. So one of the problems with uh, what we do nowadays in church is you generally get to hear one person's perspective. That's partly why we want different people to preach at Saints, because you don't just hear one person's perspective. You're not supposed to. The Bible was supposed to be studied in community like this, and, and everybody can share something that helps us understand maybe a little bit about ourselves. Somebody once said, we read the Bible, but the Bible reads us as well. Uh, I'm reading my drash, and I'm going to make just a comment on, on uh, what, what's said about this. I put, I was healed and wanted to tell others. I would do what Jesus told me to do, but later. First, I need to show those that I love that I can now be with them. He healed me of leprosy, but what he really healed me of was loneliness. So that would be mine, I think, my drash. All sorts of different perspectives. You see how different perspectives there are there? So I don't know what's on your piece of paper. This is what the sages said about drash. You may do exactly what Jesus asked you to do, but sometimes you might not. What's on your card may be the reason the leper didn't do exactly what Jesus asked him to do, but it's probably why you sometimes don't, which is an interesting thought. So as we read, as we look at our cards, that's how sometimes the Bible helps us. You know, maybe Lynn's was, I'll just pick on Lynn. Lynn, Lynn's was, I don't want all the attention. I don't want a big thing to be made about it. Well, maybe sometimes that's what puts us off, maybe, doing what God wants us to do. So I don't know if that's true of you, but that's what the sages would say. And it's a way that we can sometimes understand what was going on. Let's just thank our, our guys. Thank you so much, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. That was very brave of you guys. Thank you. Okay. Okay, second guess is wisdom. Excellent. So I don't know if that would be true of you. Um, I don't know if that would be true of you that sometimes uh, we do that, that what's on your, your, your paper is maybe a possible reason why sometimes, you know, some of those ones were I second-guessed, I knew better, I wanted to prove my point. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's what the sages would say. Let me finish with this. Um, how do we do exactly what Jesus said? Understanding that God has called us with a purpose and our purpose goes beyond just our lives, but impacting our neighbors, impacting our families, and impacting our friends. I want to leave you with a question. One of the ways we can do what Jesus said is if we understand the why. And that only comes really by study. 
Now, for the Jews, there are two types of commandments, mishpatim and hukim. Hukim, which is the second word, is interesting. The first word means most commandments. Commandments that make sense, that make rational sense. Do not murder, makes sense. Do not steal, makes sense. But there are some commandments in the Bible that didn't make sense to the Jews. One of them was not to break the bones of the lamb at Passover. So for centuries, the Jews didn't break the bones of the lamb at Passover because it was commanded not to do it, but they didn't know why. So they had this special word for commandments they didn't understand the why about, but they did them anyway. Of course, for that particular one, what happened was uh, later on, because uh, it said this in uh, Psalms, Sam said, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And later that was interpreted to be a sign of the Messiah. So for many those who followed Jesus, realized, wow, this whole prophecy about not breaking the bones, when Jesus was on the cross and his bones weren't broken, was a kind of a sign. Kind of made sense eventually. So here's my question. Are the things that God is asking of you that don't make sense right now? Are the things that seem impossible seem difficult? I would encourage you, try to understand the why. I would encourage you, maybe the answer is because it's not simply about you, it's about someone else. Maybe the thing he's asking you isn't for your benefit, it's for the benefit of others. And can I encourage you as well to ask yourself the question, why do I not do that? What is there in me that maybe I just need the Lord to help me understand about myself? Because the Bible reads us as much as we read it. Each one of us has a purpose that God has for us. Each one of us can make a difference in our community. And I want to encourage you with that this morning. If God's asking you to do something, there's a purpose for it. And that purpose could be amazing. This guy could have changed history, but he kind of missed it a little bit. Maybe you could make history. Maybe there's something really special. At least you could change the history of someone else, which is a wonderful thing, I think. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, just pray again for those who are not here this morning for our leaders. We pray a blessing upon them again. Lord, we pray a blessing as we... Uh, just worship one more time that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that we can all play a part in helping each other understand your word. Lord, you have a purpose for each one of us. Help us, Lord, to do what you say, not just our own version of it, we pray. In your name we ask it, Lord. Amen.